0: Hello and welcome to Easter Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've just come back from the cinema where we've seen Bombshell, this sort of satire adjacent film, like a lot of these kind of Vice and things like that are uh, like these these days, which reenacts the uh, happenings around the Fox News, Roger Ailes in particular, sexual abuse and harassment scandal of about three years ago, four mm. years ago now, probably. I've seen this once already. I saw it the other day. Um, you've seen it for the first time, so I've seen it my second time. So, let's well, My question
1: to you is, why did you bother to see it a second time? I
0: liked it. It's up my street, this kind of thing, and it's quite
1: obvious, um, but there are things about it to like. I had real problems with it all the way through. Okay. I mean, all the men are scummy, but all the women are scummier, I think, actually. I find I it very difficult to get sympathy for any of them. Right. So, for example, after the House of Un-American Activities, the U.S. film industry spent like forty or fifty years really hating on people who had compromised, right? Who basically had informed on a friend because you know they wanted to keep their swimming pool and their career. Right. And here's a film kind of saying, well, actually, all these women are victims. And really, all they were trying to do was, like, get on television, you know. And so basically they gave this guy a blowjob. But isn't it tragic because, you know, kind of it's sexual harassment. And I was thinking, well, yes, I mean, sexual harassment is terrible and it should be illegal and so on. But actually this thing about, you know, these women who think that it's okay to sell
0: sex for favors is just as immoral. I think what the film tries to put forward is, as opposed to it being something that they thought was OK, it was something that they were forced into and uncomfortable with. Well, But, but um, to me, this whole thing pressured about... Pressured into. Well, I
1: mean, then this is equivalent to Aliyah Kazan. You know, he was pressured into it because if he didn't inform on his friend, he'd lose the swimming pool in his career. But in that case, it's seen you should have been willing to kind of lose your career to, to your principles. And actually, I think the same thing about these women. These are all kind of unprincipled women who've been like saying and doing awful things on network television, you know, kind of victimizing loads of other people, kind of, you know, uh, being willfully ignorant and hateful and helping to create, you know, a horrible world. And then all of a sudden they expect sympathy because, you know, they exchange sex for exposure and promotion, you know, but they felt harassed into it. Well, you know, they could have they could have said no. Well I agree
0: with (laughs) one of the things that that I was at best curious about and at worst kind of really worried about before I saw the film was that this is about Fox and I was going, I don't want I don't want to feel sympathy for anyone who ever worked at Fox. You know That's part of my Um, thing as well. Because Fox is a disgusting lying Propaganda arm of a political wing, like it's not a news organization. You know, it, it's it, like Nazis. Um, well, that's an interesting comparison, and I, I yeah, you know, I've had some thoughts about that as well. But because um, I think it's in the film to a degree, uh, although maybe not quite in the way that you suggest. Well, the film um, at
1: the end does, you know kind of try to create something out of it.
0: Well, not even at the end. There is a Stasi thing going on, which I think is kind of interesting, where Roger Ailes sits there. Roger Ailes is the, um, I don't know what his title was, CEO or whatever, but he was basically in charge of Fox News, whereas Rupert Murdoch owned the whole thing. So Rupert Murdoch was above him, but day-to-day, Roger Ailes was in charge of Fox News, and he built Fox News. And he sits on the second floor in an office where he has uh, monitors that constantly show what's on TV, obviously, but also security cameras around the building. And it's never really fo- was focused on once when you see uh, James Murdoch smoking and he makes a comment about him. But it's just kind of there in the background. And every now and again, the, the film will show you a security camera. Feed or, or, or an image of a security camera that's just overlooking what's going on. And there is this feeling of Big Brother in the film. Throughout, and actually it's, um,
1: it's said explicitly. You can't make a phone call that won't be monitored. Actually, your employer has the right to tape your phone call. Yeah, contractually. Yeah, so you, know, you can't call a helpline because that helpline will go directly to the boss, basically.
0: It's done through the building design as well, which I think is interesting. I have no idea how true this is. It might be an invention for the film. But when you get to Roger Ailes' office... You go through a door and you meet his uh, secretary and then she buzzes you through. She has like a remote control for these kind of jail cell doors that lead through and they block off what's going on. So you go through these other doors that she opens for you and then you see Roger L's private elevator that no one else is able to use and the door into his office. So Mm. there's this corridor and you see this on a security camera a couple of times when girls go into this corridor like waiting to go in. And it's structural in the building that he can keep all of this secret because girls can come in and out through the private elevator if they have to Mm. without anybody seeing. So that's built into it as well. And then when the shit hits the fan about halfway through the film, Gretchen Carlson, who's one of the anchors on Fox, is fired and she sues Roger Ailes personally, as opposed to the company, Fox. She sues Roger Ailes for sexual harassment. Everything starts kicking off and there's a culture of informants Going on inside Fox. So Janine Pirro in particular, who is these days one of the kind of key anchors on Fox, uh, she speaks directly to Trump. She's awful. I hate her. She is like totally behind Roger Ailes. Mm. And she uh, is she's talking to all the other girls saying, you know, we need you on board. And there's a one conversation in particular, which I thought was great, where Megyn Kelly, played by Charlize Theron, hasn't been saying anything. She has been sexually harassed, and she's not said anything yet. She's kind of waiting to see how the chips fall, I suppose. And Janine Pirro approaches her and has this conversation of, your silence has been noticed, she says. That's the line. And it really is a kind of, it's a Stasi-type, sort of informing on your compatriots kind of conversation. So this culture of who knows what, what secrets are they going to keep, who's going to say what, who's going to back up the people in charge, like power... In this building is everywhere. It's in the people, and it's but, in the design, and it's in.
1: But my view is, or the huge difference is that it's only in that building. You know, these people. They, you don't have to work on television to survive. You know, you, I. You don't really have to do any of this. I mean, you. You only. You're only doing it if you really want to exchange sex for favors. Which you know, frankly, I don't. I don't have a problem with that, even. You know, but I think if you're going to do it then don't whine about it afterwards, you know? If that's the moral choice that you make, that you're willing to sleep with the boss to get ahead, then actually it is a choice, you know? You're not on the street, you're not kind of, you know, out of a career, you're, yeah? These are moral decisions that you've made. And actually I think it's in keeping with all of the Fox people that they made those decisions. That's what they chose to do, you know? So this is where any comparisons to things like the Nazis or whatever, I mean, they weren't coerced into it. You know, there wasn't a concentration camp that would follow, right? There was just the front of the building. They could go and try and get another job. It might take them longer, you know, to get a career in television. It might be a career in television elsewhere, right? I'm not condoning the sexual harassment. The sexual harassment was really terrible. But I find it very hard to be, you know, sympathetic to these women who made that choice. And it's
0: a choice. Do you think there's no defense on the basis of... Uh, well youth for one thing um, the Margaret Robbie character who's a, not a real person she's a composite of a number of different people she's the one who is kind of our way into looking at how this starts and she is young and ambitious but she doesn't go into, into you know, Roger L's office knowing that this is what's going to happen or even with the idea that this is what's going to happen she goes in wanting to prove herself and it something that happens quite quickly that he that, that scene with the heavy breathing she returns do a spin
1: she returns the thing is proposed Right, because, you know, he likes women in short dresses because he likes to see legs, and legs are good for viewers, and, yeah. you know, and, that, and I, it's all about the legs. And so what we see with the Margot Robbie character, she goes in, and she shows the legs, and she's made super uncomfortable because he wants her to go higher and higher and higher, right? Mm. But then it's, we're also told that there's a proposal made, and then she returns. She mm. fulfills it. She chooses to give him a blowjob to advance her career. I mean she could have walked out the door the way she does at the end of the film. Yeah. You know, so I just
0: find it very difficult to be sympathetic with these women. I did have a problem with her character, and that's because and that again goes back to I suppose to this thing of for me, the film should approach the idea that Fox News in particular is a really toxic organization that has been putting out poison into the world for a long time. Yeah. So what you see of Megan Kelly and Gretchen Carlson. Gretchen Carlson's played by Nicole Kidman. Mm. They are the two kind of main real anchors mm. uh, that are portrayed in here, as opposed to the, as I say, invented Margaret Robbie character, Kayla, I think. What you see of Kelly and Carlson is, uh, on air this is, is uh, sort of feminist resistance that they offer. Although there is a thing, uh, a kind of through line with Megan Kelly's character that people say, oh, are you, what, are you a feminist or something? And she goes, no, I'm not a feminist. Yeah. You know, this kind of th- goes through. But what you see of them on air is... Megyn Kelly starts off the story by attacking Trump basically and asking him questions at a debate pre election in 2016 or 2015 about what he said about women, derogatory things he said about women. This started off a year's worth of abuse towards her on Twitter and things like that, and hate mail and threats and stuff. And what you see in Gretchen Carlson is her doing this makeup free day. You know, we, we take off all our makeup and go on TV and make a statement that way and this sort of thing. Doing the thing about gun control. I think we should have gun control. 89% of our viewers don't. So so the very few things that you see of them broadcasting is of them not towing the party line. And it's just complete bullshit. Like, they did tow the party line the whole time and they were some exactly. of the worst people. on like So I have a real problem with that because the film, rather than addressing the conflict between these women whether you agree with how they got into this position or not, eventually doing the right thing and standing up and making a statement, the conflict between that and what they were putting out on Fox News for years and years, it just doesn't address that at all. Actually, what it does is it puts in this uh, lesbian character played by Kate McKinnon, Hmm. who, again, I think has to be invented because she's such a a function. So she works for for Bill O'Reilly's team, and she turns out is gay and a Democrat, and she's like a closet Democrat, this is the thing. But she works there because it was the only place that would offer her a job, and now she can't move anywhere else because no one else will offer a job now that she's worked at Fox. And it's it's such a functional kind of we do this because we have to get by, and I think it's a very we're only film. following orders and this sort of thing. I I really hated that simplicity and just and just separating all that out. He needed, to I think, to address them both together, those two sides, also make a more complex statement. I do get
1: that this is a film about women and about sexual harassment, but I also would have liked to have at least had more of an insight into the things that some of the men at least had to sell out on to be in the positions that they are. Because you get the feeling that, you know, everybody in one of these murder organizations is morally compromised, right? It's not just the women who've done things to get ahead, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, yeah... Uh, And I suppose a different kind of man, you know, or things, you know, like to a large extent the house of un-American activities Discourses is all about, you know, how people the various ways in which kind of people sold out to get something Mm. right, to keep the pool or to keep the career or you know, but but maybe I'm wrong Maybe that's just seeing a different movie I mean, I think my, my main problem with the film is that it doesn't it doesn't bring out the complexities yeah, you know in any of it really I suppose my moral my attitude to the film is just I hate to see these women who are complete sleazebags you know and amoral people and actually people who have caused real damage in the culture and who continue to corrode it I mean not especially but as part of that Fox team, yeah? yeah you know who are a poison on the on the culture to be transformed into heroines you know
0: yeah Well, Gretchen Carlson in particular is someone I have a real problem with because you know, when I used to see her on on Fox and Friends, which was the the morning show, in this film they talk about her getting demoted from that when she wouldn't put up with the laddish banter, quote-unquote, and basically abuse on air that she would receive from Mm. um, her male co-anchors, cutting her off, making comments about how sexy she looked and all that kind of stuff. But when I I used to see her on, on that in real life, she played this real airhead bimbo character And it was insulting. The most insulting part of maybe anything on Fox because the film here basically introduces her by saying she went to Stanford, she went to Cambridge as well, she was Miss America, she played De Sarasate on the violin when she won Miss America. Like She's a fucking smart, educated woman. And on Fox and Friends, she would do this stuff where she'd go, I didn't know what what a dictator was, so I googled it. Mm. And the film doesn't show that at all here. Mm. But I mean, for me, that was a huge problem with her because she's playing a fucking part And it's insulting to everyone, really, including yourself.
1: The the whole thing is an outrage. I mean, I couldn't tell one apart from the other because, actually, I don't watch Fox News. We don't get it here. And at best, all I've seen is the odd clip, you know, when they've gone overboard on something. Yeah. You know, but to have these people kind of make these diatribes against, you know, the poor and the vulnerable and the foreign and the queer and whatever, and then to expect anybody to have an ounce of sympathy because, you know they put out to get ahead on their job. I mean, they've just lost me. I don't give a fuck.
0: Let's um, talk about a couple of other things. Like <laughs> uh, let's talk about the film as filmmaking. What do you make of its aesthetic, its direction, its storytelling? Not much.
1: Um, I mean, the only thing that I really liked and that I think you know I want to um, praise is um, the performances. I think the performances are all uniformly excellent in a way that it takes a particular kind of great director to, to get them. You know, I was amazed at how... Because, you know, I don't really like Charlize Theron. Um, I think
0: it's pronounced Theron. so I've heard okay. her pronounce it.
1: Theron. I don't really like Nicole Kidman. I mean, I admire her in some things, but actually I don't really like her. And they were all great in this. John Lithgow was fantastic.
0: He's given it the full Churchill.
1: Yeah. Margot Robbie was quite good. I mean, everybody was good, really. And I thought that was a pleasure to watch. Because also... They are performing under quite a lot of makeup and prosthesis. Like, they don't look like themselves.
0: No, I mean, the physical transformation of Charlie Theron is unbelievable. She is identical to Megan Kelly, and it's, it's insane. There are times where you're confused mm. about who is who. I think it's unbelievable. I've never seen anything quite like that. Yes. Um, she's very really rare. not see the person under it. Yeah. Um, and she's very good, you know. Yeah, and her vocal work is amazing as well. Oh. Uh, Megan Kelly has a very... You can hear her voice in Charlie Stern voice. She you, can, you know, she's lowered the tone and she's got all the cadences and stuff. She's exact... Whereas Nicole Kidman, as good a performance as I think it is, it's not Gretchen Carlson. it's Nicole Kidman in a wig. Mm-hmm. You know, and a, and a bit of a chin prosthesis, it looks like. No. Um, you know, that's not really... And, and there are a couple... There are one or two characters who are caricatures almost. I think Rudy Giuliani when he shows up who's played yes. by Richard Kind, doesn't look a thing like Rudy Giuliani and doesn't even really sound like him either but it's a, just a comic turn really. It works. yeah. It's um, there was the, Bill O'Reilly when he shows up for a couple of shots really I wonder whether they used a deep fake thing to make him look because he looked really unnatural in a perfect way. It's very very odd what they did with him. Mm. I, and I've, I googled it and all I could see is someone else asking the same question but if they used a deep fake thing which is like this computer mm. sort of automated changing someone's face to look like someone else I'd be amazed mm. because it well it looked very peculiar um, that's, an, that's, a, that's a minor thing but that's just I want to find that out one day mm. I thought the actors were
1: terrific I thought the film just lacked substance uh, and aside from lacking substance it lacked showmanship yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and and it never really gets you involved right like you know I was thinking Hustlers Mm. is a very interesting comparison i right? think whatever you think of the film at a certain point you're with the girls right <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know you're rooting for them and actually with this i just felt kind of detached and mm. you know yes i know what you mean so i didn't laugh very much i wasn't emotionally involved uh i was perhaps overly judgmental you know yeah um i didn't think you know that the visual storytelling wasn't witty enough. I mean, when you think of some of the other films of this genre, you know, that we've seen, like Spotlight, yeah, the, the thing about the child abuse. Yes, yeah. I love that film. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is really kind of minor beans, really, not very well done. Um,
0: I like some of the detail. I mean, like I say, I think I think there are aspects to the, uh, I suppose you could call it world building, although it's really just set in the Fox News building, but, but I think you really get a feeling for the conditions under which everyone works there, and I don't mean sexual harassment conditions, though that is one of them, but just the, the kind of physical conditions, the working in the basement, the being closed in, that everyone's all around you all the time, Not you're having to find places to kind of have clandestine talks with each other, you know, going into the corridor when Megyn Kelly takes her producer, Gil, into that studio to tell him that she'd been abused by Roger Ailes, she unplugs the mics, you know, these little details. I know,
1: but you see, I don't think that's good enough, because those little details, a better director would have made the source of enormous suspense. Yeah? They might get caught, or they might be found out, or they won't yeah. be able
0: to... I like the quotidian aspect to it. Like, this is what they deal with on a day-to-day basis. Well,
1: know? I think even on a day-to-day basis, it could have been made more exciting. I think the film needed something. You know? I know,
0: it worked for me. I've got to say, it worked for me. I think yeah. I think the film does ramp up in tension once, once, like I say, that kind of informant culture starts up, and people go, whose side are you on that sort of thing? Mm. Janine Pirro is inquisitor number one. You know, I think the tension does ramp up there. I didn't feel it. It worked for me. I think the camera work... I, str- I struggle with the camera work because it's not um, that it's unattractive. I don't think that's really what it's going for. I think you're right to say it's not showy, but I'm not sure it necessarily... I don't think it wants to be, for one thing. Um, but it has this thing of when... it. it generally speaking, it's a slightly shaky handheld camera, but not distractingly so. It's just that kind of snatching... It's not an interesting shot. In sort it. of behind-the-scenes look at things type of thing. it wants you It wants you to feel like you're inside the machinery. And then when conversations become sort of clandestine, one-on-one, whether it's characters who are discussing sexual harassment and kind of what they're going to do about it, you know, kind of without the powers that be listening in, or whether it is sexual harassment actually taking place and you're watching that... The camera goes into this slightly shakier, much more zoomed-in mode that is kind of trying to be evocative of documentary, I suppose. And it has these crash zooms. And I and I kind of liked it. It worked for me. But the one thing I really don't like is the crash zooms because it's something that you get in America, American TV in particular when you look at something like The Office in America mm. or, or Parks and Recreation, those types of shows... They have this thing of always whip panning onto whoever's talking and always doing a little crash zoom and zoom in and zoom out as the camera operator, quote-unquote, tries to sort of get the shot right. And, and it's this thing of basically you're injecting visual energy into something that you haven't really put the work in creating energy for, mm. which I kind of dislike. And there's an element of that here. Something's all, It's not always going that fast. It's maybe not a crash zoom, but something's always zooming and reframing in a way that I think is cheating to get energy into the scene somehow
1: it looked and felt cheap
0: yeah the director uh what is his name jay roach jay roach right we were talking recently when we talked about jojo rabbit about why is no one taking on trump yes in satire the way that filmmakers took on hitler in hitler Mm. times you know um charlie chaplin and And this is why I used the phrase satire adjacent earlier, because this is not a satire.
1: No, it's
0: not. Um, But it doesn't... Too bad. (laughs) (laughs) But it's does occur to me there is something going on, because when you, look at, when you look at Jay Roach, he's someone who made his name in comedy, Austin Powers in particular. I think he did Meet the Parents as well. Mm-hmm. And now he's moved into this, as I say, satire-adjacent sort of drama. Adam McKay's done the same thing. In fact, he was really the first to make a name doing it, because he started off again in comedy doing Anchorman. I Adam McKay's much better, though. And he did The Big Short, Vice. Yes. And I think this is co-written, or th- this is written by one of the co-writers of The Big Short. Um, well,
1: both Vice and The Big Short. Are you know world superior to this one?
0: And the other one, I would say, is Todd Phillips, who made Joker, which is not in the same. It's not telling a, a, a true life story. It's fiction. But again, he's someone who moved from comedy with The Hangover and Road Trip into uh, a kind of socio-political satire adjacent drama. And so I wonder whether you know these are people. These are people who would or should maybe be making satires that we kind of want to see about modern day America, Trump's America. But rather than that, maybe maybe the change in attitude towards making something that is more serious, it could be self aggrandizing To make something more serious is to be taken more seriously and that's what they want. But maybe it's that they also kind of share this thing, share this idea that I kind of have, which is that to take something seriously, joking about it, could actually be dangerous because it could lighten it i don't know i think in this instance
1: if it had been if it had been a proper satire rather than satire adjacent mm. you know you might have understood the woman's plight better you know because it is it's sad and it's funny and it's also kind of they made a bad bargain yeah but they made a conscious bargain it mm. wasn't they weren't jumped on behind the fence yeah right kind of or at least the way that the film says to you is this is the deal they could say no you know so so I think if they had made it a satire, because there's a real plight here. I don't want to minimize that it. it is a plight. Nobody, you know, should be forced to kind of make those decisions, mm. right? But then again, you know, you you can walk away from it. You don't need to kind of, you know, be in a building where those are the choices that you're given. Like you could leave the building. There's a whole other world out there.
0: Yeah. So do you think I think the film think... is trying to make the point more widely though, and using this as an example of? Wider workplace harassment that maybe not every company demands sex for position, sex for favors, but workplace harassment for women is a reality pretty much everywhere. It is. And the film you wants know, to kind of portray and that. And this
1: is why I think the film isn't so bad, really, because, you know, the choices are much more subtle in terms of what you hear about kind of workplace harassment. It's more insidious and subtle and, yeah, and mm. pernicious, right? I mean, the way that it's presented in this film, it's
0: like a, you know, such a clear bargain. It's yeah. I mean, that's one thing. I think probably what I meant when I said at the start, it's quite an obvious film. Mm. It shows it very obviously, even when it, even when there is a more subtle aspect to it. When I, th- I think, I think it's interesting that almost all of the harassment that you see is basically verbal. It's comments about someone's appearance. You've got a nice dress, or all the stuff they said to Gretchen Carlson on the sofa on Fox and Friends about how sexy she looks. It becomes instructions when it gets into Roger Ailes' office. Mm-hmm. That scene where he makes her do the twirl and lift up her skirt, he doesn't move at all. It, he's completely in charge of the scene and, totally. and in charge of her, but he doesn't shift from that chair. He doesn't have to, and it's just and, and he doesn't. All he does is breathe heavily. I mean, it's mm. revolting, um, and you can see why everyone calls him Jabba the Hut. And then moves on to threats at some point when uh, you see the flashback to when Megyn Kelly was first uh, harassed by Roger Ailes. And he says, when's your contract up? This is a veiled threat. But there are basically two times it gets physical. One of them is very light, which is where Bill Shine, uh, one of the execs at Fox, meets um, Kayla, the Margot Robbie character, and, and touches her on the knee. Right, and it's in a scene which is you know got other uh, verbal harassment going on, but it's but that's all the touches, right? And I'm not saying it's right, but it's light. And the other one is when you see the flashback to uh, Roger Ailes uh, grabbing Megan Kelly and trying to kiss her and forcing himself upon her. So actually, I'm not saying like it should be more graphic. I mean, I, I think it's actually a positive in the film that what it's really generating is a culture of sexual harassment that is not physical. Although the film is making it very clear. It is showing how clear it is that it is, like I say, quotidian. It doesn't have to be physical abuse. No, it doesn't. But it's day to day you... verbal abuse. Or, True. You know, or mental almost. Yes. Um, I mean, even the culture, the culture at Fox of you have to wear skirts. You know, we haven't even fitted her for pants. They say at one point. I know. You can't wear pants if it's not been cleared by the second floor. Like that is that is a part of it, right? It's the I culture that, of the that whole place. That should be illegal, really. Yeah. Um... And so I suppose it in setting the film in the Fox News building. Like, Fox News is a, an especially sexist place, I suppose, and maybe that has a satirical element to it, or could have a satirical element to it, because it is so exaggerated there, that it is so demanded, you must look like this on air, you're only on air because we can see your legs, we must show the wide shot where we can see your legs, why did I hire her? The film
1: didn't even show, like, the women feeling demeaned by that, or being soul-searching, I mean, you know, like you said, all these, you know, super intelligent women with careers, you know, kind of, did they not f- have moral problems or ethical problems, you know, about wearing those skirts and all looking the same and identical, you know, and so clearly a cog in the machine? I mean, the film shows you no moral struggles over any of those issues at all. No, that's true. You know, um, so...
0: No, that's that's re- that's a really good point, actually, and I can think of it. It's like, it's, it's basically, when it was happening, whatever you felt just stayed inside and the film doesn't even really show it and then once it starts to come out then it's like this is it was wrong everyone agrees and it's just whether you're going to say something or not
1: yes
0: yeah Um. it's not about what kind of deal you made or anything like that Um, or whether whether you it's not the deal you made because obviously it is wrong to be put in that position of me having to make those choices but but no one questions whether they might have been a bad person in even accepting that even even in a way that suggests that it's just um, kind of unwarranted guilt. Like, no one even gets to feel unwarranted guilt. They just don't get to feel any guilt at all. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be more psychologically complex and probably truer to life. I mean... The bit where um, the girl has the drink with the guy in the bar, it's, the, it's, it's a flashback to a long-ago sexual abuse allegation that the girl ended up getting fired for. And it's, you hear her in a monologue yeah. saying, you know, oh, fuck, this is where it's going and just pretend to be confused. That has elements of that, trying to, trying to figure out how to play a situation. And, of course, what happens to her mm. is she loses her job immediately and is a pariah. Mm. And, and Fox News is able to prove to everyone that you don't fuck with Fox News. Um, yes.
1: Um, I mean, I think, I think what I took out of it is the strength of Fox News as a power. You know, it does kind of show you how horrible and abusive... It is how it's paranoid and full of lies and so on. But then you know that just by watching the program. You know? Well, you should. <laughs> well, of people don't. <laughs> well, I think. I mean, I don't know why people watch or what people get out of watching or, you know, um, its legs. Uh, 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 well, according to this film, yeah, it's a lot legs. Of legs. Anyway, I just don't understand it. I mean, also, you know, this thing about legs. I mean, in a world where all kinds of imagery is available. You're going to tune into the news for legs.
0: I can see it. I mean, that's how people. Like the thing is, particularly when you get to like old people in America who just have Fox on twenty-four-seven. You know, it might be like it might be part of what keeps you alive watching it, but it just helps feed the poison, you know. And Fox just stays on in those houses every day, all day, every day. And it's I don't know, it's, just, you know, part, part of what of, TV, part and... of the poisonous journey that is the day of Fox News.
1: Anyway, I didn't like it because. There's a real story here, mm. yeah, and, and there's a real tragedy here, actually. It is about selling your soul to the devil, you know? That's what it's about.
0: Or it should be. Or least. it should be, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, but actually, the only one who really gets that, that aspect in a story at all is Kate McKinnon, mm. i say, you know, and it's so blatant in hers that it's insulting. Mm. Um, it's really not that smart.
1: So... Um,
0: but it's made me think quite a bit. I mean, you know... And and this kind of thing is up my street. Like I say, like a, a, you know, a,
1: a it is up your street.
0: Political, socio-political thing about fighting the powers and all that kind of stuff. I kind of like and Fox News. I'm interested in because yes. they're hideous. And um, so you know, you can see why I saw it twice. I mean, I like this kind of thing, and I think performances really carry it. I think they're great, as you say. Yeah, I think they um, are.
1: I think that's the one thing that I would kind of pray. And,
0: and also the editing, the way that the way that real life archival footage is used and combined with reenacted performances, particularly, you know, Megyn Kelly asking questions of Donald Trump at the debate, Gretchen Carlson sitting on the couch with the two other presenters. That's really seamless. And I think it works really beautifully to build that world. Mm. You know, all of that feels so true to life. And I didn't question a second of it. Mm. I loved it. In fact, the first time I saw it, I was very much looking at how the Megyn Kelly, Donald Trump scenes were cut. Because I thought this could feel so fake. And actually a lot of the cuts between or from Megyn Kelly to Donald Trump and back again aren't shown. You actually see one thing on one screen and then it cuts and then you see something else on another screen. So it kind of hides those uh, seams, which I think Mm. is quite effective. On the other hand, when Gretchen Carlson is with the lawyers and she shows them that montage of her being abused on the couch on TV, they have just sat her down in between the two anchors. With you know real life footage and put it, in. and I I didn't question that for a second the first time. Mm. The second time I thought, oh yeah, that's what they've done. Mm. So I thought that was that was really really effective and very 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 well accomplished. Mm. I think that effects work. It, it's it's full of it really, and it's good and it's there. Okay, good. So I quite liked it, but that's what I do. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't like it. I mean, I didn't
1: I didn't hate it, but I just felt uninvolved really. Yeah. And I I do feel maybe I'm you know I just This whole thing at the moment about principles and, you know, people living by their principles. And the thing is, it's not meant to be easy, right? To be a principled person is not easy. It has a cost, you know. And somehow films like this kind of make it seem that, you know, every time you don't get what you want, it's an issue, right? And I think, how to lead one's life, what kind of moral decisions that you make, you know, how they have repercussions kind of later on, You know, those are all issues. And I think a better film would have shown somebody selling their soul to the devil and then kind of the various... Or, you know, to the system or whatever you want to call call it if you're not religious. And then kind of the various ways that it corrodes your life. I mean, you know, whereas this, to me, doesn't make sense. You know, it's somebody who has sold... Their soul to the devil and then says, Oh, but I'm in hell. <laughs> like, Surprise! <laughs> shock! Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you think, you know, this is like so stupid. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of, I, Je m'en fou. <laughs> it means I don't give a fuck. Is that that French, is it? (laughs) I think it's more I don't care rather than... (laughs) Ah, fuck. But somewhere in between is the way that I feel about this film.
0: I don't care, said Pierre. I'm from France.
1: (laughs) 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 All right, let's say goodbye. Yes, Uh, goodbye. uh, Thank you very much for listening. We are
0: eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on... Uh, Apple Podcasts. I say Apple Podcasts now because I've just realised it's not really called iTunes anymore. Ah. I know, for a long time... Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud and YouTube to listen to us and subscribe. Uh, on social media we're on Facebook and Twitter, eavesdropping at the movies at eavesdropmovies and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Hurrah. Goodbye. <laughs>